Yeah, absolutely. Steve, the, the star of that video, that video is done by Chris Dowdy. And we thank him. What a great job. It's so fun. And um, may or may not have had a stunt double in there as well. We'll leave that up for your imagination. So good to see you today. My name is Todd Arnett, the lead pastor here at Trinity Church. So glad you're here for this kickoff Sunday to the month of August. We have so much going on. What a great service already. I would just say, I don't think there's a better student ministries band on the planet. Can we thank these guys? What a great job. And uh, what a great thing. And Mike, thank you so much for hosting it. It was great to see you up there, and it was so good. So we have so many good things uh, even going on today. I just hope not to mess it up. That's my job today. And uh, so many good things as we even kick off this series, Where You Fit at Trinity. And I want to help you with that. If you have uh, your worship folder, you have in there a set of notes that look like this. If you want to grab those and have those handy to go. And then secondly, if you have a Bible today, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 will be in a few spots, but that's a good place to start. Have your Bible open to that, and uh, you'll, you'll be ready to go. Well, within all this, as we kind of begin, we did this last year, and I thought it was a really good uh, just opportunity to kind of commission our teachers and our administrators. This is a big role when you think about the impact in the lives of students. And we, we think through that lens, not only the idea of education, but of, of being a person who demonstrates Jesus day in and day out. Some teachers have that ability, homeschool parents who are teaching and Christian school teachers to be very vocal about their faith. Our public school teachers have a little bit more of a challenge, but the opportunities still remain. And so we want to do this today. If you are a teacher, whether your classroom is your living room or in a, on a campus, if you're an administrator of a school, would you stand up? Would you do that this morning? Go right ahead. Oh, oh, don't sit down. Don't sit down. Don't sit down. I want to take a minute to pray for you and just pray for your new school years. Let's do that real quick. Father God, I want to say thank you for each and every educator in this room. And God, I thank you for the thing they've given themselves to, their vocation, their calling. God, to want to be influential in the lives of young adults. And I just thank you for this new school year um, coming off of a summer and now kind of recalibrating for what is to come. I think of lives that were on this stage, God, just moments ago, that they, whether even not personally with them, but people just like them, have influenced and are, will be influencing uh, this new school year. So what I pray for is I pray for patience. I pray for perseverance. God, I pray for a sense of joy that as they're interacting with their students and with their colleagues, God, I pray that there would be a sense of winsomeness, that people would want to know the Jesus who is transforming their lives. And I pray that they would have that sense of calling each and every day. It's a tough thing. It's a long school year, but I pray grace over these educators. Thank you for administrators, their role of leadership and management as they work together as a team, God, to raise up a new generation. So we at Trinity are grateful for them, and we just pray blessing on them as they begin anew. We love you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, let's dive in today. We've got some uh, good stuff to look at on this theme of, um, of, of, of engaging your gifts. You, you saw this. Mike showed you a, a map that's in your uh, worship folder. Use this today as you go out onto uh, the plaza. Underneath the pavilion, you're going to find all kinds of great opportunities to proceed forward. And here, here's how it kind of goes. I think a lot of pastors develop what we call a, kind of like a wheelhouse or a passion, 
Like, I love this topic. I'm just going to go. And, and for some pastors, it's the idea maybe of, uh, of marriage. They just love talking on God's design for marriage and the oneness between a husband and wife and what goes with that is just so powerful. They could just go and go. And sometimes they do, right? Other pastors really find great joy in talking, let's say, about stewardship. Talking about finances. And a subject many of us don't want them talking about. They do this great job of helping us understand that everything is God's. And he's simply giving us stewardship over what he's given us for this season. And they can go and go. This is one of mine. I love this topic of serving according to your giftedness, of understanding how God has designed you and then out of that, putting that into motion. And, and over this last year, as we've been getting to know each other, I've realized there's moments when I talk about my family of origin, I talk about my parents, and I will say this is one of the things my parents got right. I, I've told you before, I'm a lifer. I, I can't remember not being in a community of Jesus followers, but it's more than church attendance. My parents, I, can, I can't remember a time seeing them not serving in some capacity of all kinds of roles. And often they were in smaller churches where in smaller churches you do lots and lots of things just because nobody else is going to do it. And so within that, I saw that modeled. And and for me and what that translated to, ever since the time I was a student, probably in about sixth or seventh grade, I've had a role to serve in a local church, not limited to a local church, but always began there. That was start here for me. And so I thank my parents for modeling that, for demonstrating that, for pushing that, and saying, hey, this is what it means to engage the gifts that God's given you. And and I've realized a lot of the reason that I'm serving in this capacity today is what they were laying a foundation for then. Uh, Joanna and I have made that an emphasis in our kids, and our hope has been that, hey, as you come to a point of understanding your gifts, you put your faith in Jesus, now you're finding out where to serve, let's help you figure that out, and we don't need to wait until they graduate from high school. What would we have done today if our, our students were waiting until they graduate from high school to find their giftedness? It would have been a really great Chris Dowdy solo, okay? That's all we would have had, because that was all high school students today, and that's what we're talking about. They're a great example to us of saying, God, help me find how you've designed me and help me put it into motion. That's what these first two weeks of August are all about, the theme that we're talking about today, next Sunday as well, and then we've got a great second half of the month for you on top of that. Um, as we dive in, we're, this has kind of been an annual kind of focus for Trinity Church. We think of a ministry year at Trinity Church a lot like a school year. So that's why August is a really key and significant month as we move into uh, getting ready for what God has for us each of these ministry years. And so even as we think about that today, let's use this as kind of what we've been calling a now what. You know, what do I do with this today? It's in your notes and on the screen. For the follower of Jesus, it's not a matter of if. You should be serving it simply where. Not a question of if you should be using your gifts, simply where you should put them into motion. And that's going to kind of guide our thoughts, guide our direction today as we jump into it. We're talking about giftedness that's not just um, talents or skills, but supernatural giftedness. The way that God has very uniquely wired you. And I think for those of you that are here today that are already plugged in, you're already serving in some capacity at Trinity Church, this is just going to be encouragement for you. This is going to be encouragement to keep on keeping on because some of us are like, I was about ready to be done. Todd, why'd you have to bring this one up, right? I was ready to cycle out. I I think I'm not a good fit. I don't think I can keep going. Whatever the issue is, I want to be a source of encouragement to you. And that's what I love about the word encourage. It means to give courage. I want to give courage to you to keep going in what God's called you to. 
And so as we look into that idea, we'll see what we find. The other aspect is this. One of the things that a lot of churches I feel like get wrong is that they talk about spiritual giftedness in this vacuum, meaning that they, they talk as though you could be walking down the street and all of a sudden, you know, you put your faith in Christ on Tuesday and, and next, that next morning, kapow, you have spiritual gifts, right? Like out of, out of nowhere, you were this blank slate and now you put your faith in Christ, boom, and, and they have nothing really to do with anything you've ever done before. It it would seem so weird to me that that God would do that, but instead when we take this idea, and and we'll talk today about our design class here at Trinity, design is this acrostic that takes into account all the things that God has been doing to prepare you even before you knew him. Because guess what? He knew you. And he was working things out to prepare you to serve him even before you loved him. And that's such a cool idea. So that's the the concept that we're working from today and should give you encouragement as we kind of move forward. Um, I've had a passion for this for a long time. Even as a youth pastor, I served in that role for about 10 years. And I'll never forget, this is what I came to believe and the thing I was looking for. I was looking for um, volunteers, for people serving, for lay leaders. Call them whatever you want. I was looking for people on my team that would basically say this, that when someone would ask them, what do you do? And that's just one of our adult things. I'm not sure why it is, but what do you do? You know? and, and as they did, I really wanted my team to say this. When they said, what do you do? I have the privilege of working with students at my local church. And people look at them like, you get paid for that? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I'm a dentist to pay the bills, but I get to work with high school kids. So great. So great what I do. And that's what I wanted. I wanted this mentality of this is something you do that absolutely counts for eternity. Invest yourself and see the way that God would want to use your gift in this. And so today I'm excited to kind of move forward with this idea and lay this out. Look in your notes. I want to give you four kind of critical um, characteristics of spiritual gifts. Four things you got to get right before we talk any further. The first one is this. They're undeserved. Spiritual gifts are undeserved. Hence the word gift, right? We keep going back to it. The word grace, we can define it to me in in a very, maybe too simplistic, but at least a simple way. It's uh, getting what you don't deserve. That's a gift, getting what you don't deserve. We've kind of lived in a culture where gifts are almost expected in lots of ways and lots of times, but at least think of the gift that you never saw coming. That's grace. You didn't deserve it. It comes your way and you're a beneficiary of it. That's what this is. We have to keep coming back to the idea that these are gifts from a giver who's generous and strategic. That's who God is. Secondly, they're designed to serve others. They're given with the goal of being given away. They're given with the idea of being put into motion so that others benefit from your gift. I think this way. um, I I didn't share this last hour, but it dawned on me just now. so uh, Jack Hamilton up at HCC, he hit an anniversary. It might have been like his 30th year serving there, some crazy number. And I remember what we did as a staff is we said, hey, um, and these guys, Jack would be known for being the king of coupons, right, and, and such. So a guy came down, he had an overcoat full of gift cards and whatnot for all these places. Well, along with that, Jack is a big um, Anaheim Angels fan. Oh, I said that wrong. The Angels of Anaheim, Los Angeles, something. Yeah, anyways, whatever that team is with the big A, he's a big fan. And so they gave him just a huge uh, a gift card, basically, to go to multiple games over the season. So check this out. So it's an anniversary, serving at a local church for decades. He takes that gift, and he says, I'm not going to go to a bunch of games. I'm going to go to one game. I'm going to rent out a club box, and I'm going to invite 15 friends. 
he receives a gift for long, faithful, diligent service. And what does he do? He blesses others. I was a recipient. I went. And it ended up being a 12-hour game that was one nothing. It was like the worst game ever. Like, what, <laughs> what is that? But we ate and we laughed and we got to celebrate him. That's the kind of gift that a spiritual gift is. God gives it to you so you can bless others as you give it to them. That's the whole point. So they're, they're first off undeserved. They're secondly for the purpose and goal of serving others. Third, they are effective. These gifts are effective. And here's why. Who do the gifts come from? They come from God. We call them spiritual gifts. They come from the Holy Spirit residing in you. So many times we're afraid to put our gifts in motion because we're thinking of us. God, I'm not good at. God, I'm not good enough. Whatever we want to fill in the blank, we forget that our giftedness is powered by Jesus. Our giftedness continues to be strong and to be effective because of the Holy Spirit that resides in us. And it's the Spirit of God touching lives through you. That's why they're effective. It's the same Spirit of God that indwells you, think about this, that came upon Gideon. Gideon was going to lead a small band of warriors against monster sizes of armies because of the spirit that God put upon him. It's the same spirit of God that came upon Samson and gave him supernatural strength. It's the same spirit of God that came upon David and gave him the courage and the power to slay a giant. That same spirit resides in you. And fourthly, what is another critical piece? They bring the body of Christ a greater sense of oneness. They bring the body of Christ a greater sense of oneness. Even though these gifts are diverse and unique, they're very different from one another. They're meant to, in that collective difference, come together and help the body. One of the things that's my favorite part of a Sunday morning, for many of you, you would never know we do this, but we begin our Sunday mornings after the worship bands rehearse and whatnot. We meet down in these front seats, and it's productions, it's the worship team, who's ever hosting, myself. And this is all we do. After going through the service, we just take a moment to pray. And as we pray, the consistent prayer of my heart is one of gratitude to say, God, this is a snapshot of Trinity Church. Those that are here right now as we're getting ready for Sunday morning services, just a small microcosm, a small picture of who Trinity Church is, is that Trinity Church is, sorry, an extra is isn't in there. Um, but within that whole idea, everyone is serving a role. Like everyone can't be on camera right now. Everyone can't be in the production booth. Everyone can't be at the board. Everyone can't be on the stage, can't be at an instrument. God uses us all to play a part in just this one service. And that's just a picture of what's going on in the children's ministry this morning. That's just a picture of what's going on with students today. See, we're, we're always in the variety of gifts. It should bring a common purpose in unity, not disunity, not distraction. Look at this passage. It's where your Bibles are open to. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 there are different kinds of gifts. Keep watching the difference and the unity, okay? Different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, so that, again, the diversity, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. This is what we keep coming back to, this idea of the diversity and yet the unity at the same time being joined together in this giftedness. So when you hear this, when you hear these realities today, why don't we just go, yay, I'm going to go serve. There's an expo. I'm going to go find a spot today. Well, because there's some obstacles. 
there's some things that are in the way. And I want to look at those with you together today. And, and it might be of the three things that I've identified. It might not be your thing. It might not be the hurdle that's keeping you from serving, but I'm hoping that as we kind of spread this net, think about the things that keep us from getting involved according to our gift mix, that something's going to trigger and you're going to go, you know what? This is the thing I've kind of put off to the side and I've said, God, I, for a host of reasons, I'm not going to engage that. My hope today is to take away whatever's the barrier keeping you from that and moving forward. By the way, this focus that we do annually between these first two weeks of serving and the next two weeks in August, we'll be looking at finding a group to belong to. This is kind of step one. This is where you start at Trinity Church. This is how you, as Mike talked about today, as we're a family, this is some of your entry point and contributing into the whole of what it means to be a part of the family of Trinity Church. And so let's look at those obstacles. And the first one's really connected that idea. Number one, one of the obstacles are consumers who need to become contributors. Consumers who need to become contributors. I read a book when I was in college um, called um, Frog in the Kettle. And I was just telling one of my, my kids, I think Ellie, this week about this phenomenon. It's, it's um, because frogs are um, got this temperature adjustment. They're cold-blooded. They adjust to what's around them. If you drop a, a frog in really hot water, it'll jump right out. But if you drop a, a frog in this kind of nice medium temperature water, it'll stay because it's feeling good. But then if you just keep cranking up the heat a little bit at a time, the adjustments are so minor that it never really notices and its body regulates to the point that it'll actually stay in there and boil to death. That's how we can be within our culture. That we just kind of begin to continue to assimilate what everyone in the culture is saying, this is true, this is how you need to think and live, that we become, we begin to, to identify and resemble so much of a culture that doesn't know Jesus and love him. And one of the biggest problems of that reality is our culture is driven by consumerism. We are consumers in Southern California. If there's any tag that you want to put on Southern California, for sure you'd have to include the word consumers. What happens is, what happens when we as a people are, are continually defined by a culture that's consumeristic, we begin to think in all areas and realms consumeristically. So here's one of the challenges. We view our world as a shopping mall. Right? It's a place to go, not just the mall itself, but everything about life. It's a place to go to get my needs met. That's what I'm here. I'm looking for how you're going to benefit me. Now, the problem is, at a shopping mall, that's actually pretty accurate. Right? It would be really weird if you went shopping and someone's like, hey, I I'm just here to serve today. What can I do for you? And you're like, what are you selling? Nothing. But what can I do for you? And you're like, uh, you're creepy. Okay? Step away. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not what you're there for. You're there to, to indeed consume, to buy things, bring them home, make your life better. But when we think that the world is like that, every aspect of our lives, then all of a sudden we begin to think of also our local church that way. I come because of what they're going to do for me having never really thought through, but what am I contributing? How am I engaged? How am I able to serve and better others? We become so busy living like consumers in a consumer society, a society that idolizes comfort and abundance. And we know that's the case. We have to break ourselves free from that distraction to find real life in giving yourself away. That's in your notes. Look up there. You're looking for abundant life in all the wrong places. It's not in getting more for yourself, but in giving more of yourself away. It's not in getting more for yourself, but in giving more of yourself away. I had this conversation with all of my kids at some point, and that was you could tell 
that they were driven by this idea, what is going to make me happy? I want whatever is going to make me happy. And just like this personal pursuit of that. And we stop and talk about it. And we talk about this reality, usually on the backside. Like I tried this. I engaged that. I went to this event. I had these friends. Didn't make me happy. And we'd sit back and we'd say, hey, now we, I kind of knew what was going on. The motivation for that didn't work, did it? No, it didn't. Let's talk about this. When we make that pursuit of what I can consume, what I think is best for me, if we make that our pursuit, we miss joy every time because it's hollow. It just doesn't do what I thought it would do, and we walk away disappointed. But instead, if we would say, how can I make life better for others? Not in the sense of getting from others, but giving to others. If I will make that my distinction, if I'll make that my goal and my focus, guess what? Joy always gets thrown in. Joy is something that's elusive because when I look for it straight ahead, sometimes I will miss it. But when I say, God, I want to be someone who is your representative to your world, then all of a sudden, joy in the midst of giving, joy is found. That's the change. That's the change of mindset from consumer to a contributor. The problem is, along with that, is that many of us think today, I don't really have anything worth contributing, Todd. I can't, I'm not really gifted. I don't have anything that's really strong to, to share with others. And you're afraid of venturing out into uncharted territory, of serving others and potentially failing, not being proficient at what you take it on. But I want you to watch this today. That's where spiritual gifts are different than the last time you took a class. They're different than the last time you started your own business. They're different than the time you went on that interview. Look in your notes. This is why. It's not how competent you are, but how powerful God is. It's not how competent you are, but how powerful God is. The source of your enabling and the degree of gift or grace that he's given you. Let me talk about that. The degree of gift or grace he's given you. Don't turn there, but look on the screen. First Peter 4. There's, there's basically four very... Um, pointed places in the New Testament that speak of spiritual gifts. Part of my point today was to just kind of, in a sense, introduce you to them. We already looked at 1 Corinthians 12 briefly. We'll look briefly here at 1 Peter 4, and then later we'll look at Romans 12. The other one's in Ephesians 4. So three out of the four today, we're going to at least show you. This is 1 Peter 4. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. That's a key part. I didn't earn it. I didn't go try to claim it. I received it to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so. How? As the one who speaks the very words of God. I don't have to create my own words. I simply speak his. If anyone serves, they should do so. How? With the strength God provides. I don't serve out of all these reserves that I have. I serve because God's given me this. Why? So that in all things, God may be praised. Man, one of the biggest challenges within this thing, it's, it's always this kind of, I find in my life, a, a sense of balance. Because we love to live in the extremes. For some of us here today, you're sitting here and you're going, you know, Todd, I really don't have anything to contribute. I, I, I'm really not, I don't have anything to offer. I'm not good at anything. And, and you're not seeing it through the lens of how Jesus says, you have gifts, put them into motion. For others of us, though, we're seeing it over here and we're kind of like, hey, when I serve in this way, I am pretty amazing. Now, you don't say it, at least not to many people. And, and you've actually inverted the idea and forgot, just like we talked about. It's not so as you serve with the power of God that you may be praised. 
We serve according to the power of God so that God gets the credit. And I love it when I talk to people and I just tell them, I try to affirm, hey, you just did such a great job at that. And it's awkward, right? It's sometimes hard to know how do you say it. But they find this great kind of natural way to say, hey, thanks, but it's just what God's doing through me. That's really a way that we want to all come to understand, both in what we would say, but more so how we believe. God is the one who gets the credit for what he's doing in and through you. So once you understand this idea of design, now what are you waiting for? All right, it's like, okay, God, I've been designed by you. You're powerful. Here I go. Now that's what we keep talking about. There's these hurdles that kind of keep getting in the way. And I want to look at another one. Number two in your notes, coveting the spotlight gifts. Coveting the spotlight gifts. One of the churches in the New Testament that Paul writes a letter to is the church of Corinth. Corinth got a lot of things wrong. Actually reminds me of a lot of contemporary churches in our, in our evangelical world today. Just the issues that the Corinthians were mixed up by or confused by, we still struggle with today. And one of those was the gifts that God had given them had become divisive. They weren't unifying. They weren't drawing together. Instead, they were actually polarizing people and pushing them away. And the issue in the Corinthian churches in chapters 12, 13, and 14 is this idea that they were coveting what we call, we call today maybe the sign gifts. They were coveting a unique kind of gift because this kind of gift was like pow, related to the supernatural power of God was obvious that this gift portrayed that. Like, for instance, in the first century, where you had these sign gifts that then became covetous of people, like, I want that gift too. What wasn't covetous is the gift of mercy. No one is banging on the door for that. What wasn't coveted by the first first century church in Corinth was uh, who's going to be the best servant and outserve other people. It was who's going to stand on the stage and have this amazing, remarkable avenue of which God's power would be made known. Maybe today, in some circles, that's still the problem. Those greater, quote, greater gifts are being coveted. Today, I don't know that it's always sign gifts, but it's also what I call stage gifts. Standing right here. This is a coveted thing. And and if it's not this role, it's one of those roles. Something that has to do with lights on it, where we go, that's where attention. And by the way, let me be the first to say, I'm not talking out there pointing fingers. I'm looking in a mirror. I'm going to give you an illustration of that in just a second. This is a real challenge that we face. Look in your notes. Christian celebrityism is one notion that many of us struggle with, idolizing some other person in the body for his or her obvious giftedness as though they had amazingly come up with such skills or abilities on their own. We attribute their giftedness to them. We attribute their giftedness to how hard they've worked and and how much they've practiced and this incredible skill they've harvested when all along it all has come from God. And we attribute the power to the wrong person. And what happens is, and by the way, this is obviously true in our culture, people who are on a stage who are, quote, better than us are people we tend to idolize. Now, you might not idolize everyone on a stage but if you're honest with yourself, there's certainly some you do. Whether they be speakers or musicians or leaders, whatever it may be, there's people that you say, you're better than us, and you know what? I really want to be you. I want to be like you. I want to whatever. Again, if that's what's true in our culture, why would we think all of a sudden that hasn't transmitted to our local churches? And obviously it has. So we've missed something along the way because that's not the teaching that the Bible's giving us here at all about how to understand these gifts Let's stop being products of our culture who loves to worship idols 
and start looking beyond the gift to the giver and thank him for these people that he's blessed with this amount of grace. Let me show you what I mean. Uh, Your Bibles, uh, you don't have to turn there, but look, Romans 12. This is one of those other passages. There's a key point in verse 6 we'll get to, but let me lead up to it. It says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance to the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each, each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Look at verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Let me keep going. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. In accordance to the degree that God's given it. If it's in serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Grace given to the degree that God has given it. This this idea that, think of it this way, in this room today, There are multiple people who have a high gift level of leadership. Multiple people in this service who have a high, if you look at, and I believe very much in a spiritual gift mix, that it's very often that it's not just one kind of gift that would be enunciated in scripture, that is kind of that soul or lone gift. It's usually a combination. But many in this room who have a gift of leadership, here's the interesting thing. We could identify that through lots of means, but as you identify your giftedness, some of our giftedness level would reach, let's say, at an eight. It's a pretty highly gifted leader. Some of our giftedness would be at a six. Some of our giftedness at a three. I went to a conference one time, and they talked about giftedness through the lens of wattage of light bulbs. I never heard that before, but I was sitting there thinking about it, going, that's interesting. They're all light bulbs, okay, but one's 150 watt and one's 20. And, And that doesn't mean that one matters and one doesn't, but it means understanding that gift mix. Think of the parable of the talents, right? Jesus is talking, he's telling this, this story to communicate an idea, and he says, to one, five talents were given, to the other, two, to the last one, one. And don't you love this part of the story? When they come back and the first two have reaped, a sense of investment, and there's now been a re- there's going to be a reward. He says the exact same thing to the one with five as he does the one with two. There's no lesser reward just because one had lesser gifts. I, I felt the sting of this when we were at a conference uh, last spring. A, a group of us from Trinity Church went to a great conference in the low desert called Thrive. And, and we're there, and it's one of the last sessions. And I remember the speaker, the little bit of the irony of it was, he was saying, hey, you be content. You be grateful for how God is gifting you. Don't try to be someone on this stage. And the irony of all that was he was on the stage. As a speaker who speaks internationally and one who authors books and is a pastor of a megachurch. So a little hard to hear. I'm like, mm, I guess when you're you, that's fair to say. But when you're me sitting there, and someone who, for most of his lifetime, I'll never forget, I don't think I've told you this story. I'm at First Baptist Church Ukaipa as a middle schooler, seventh grader, and we're going around this circle. Uh, it's weird, the things, probably the only thing I remember from seventh grade. Oh, there's that other thing. But one of the things I remember <laughs> from seventh grade, and, and my, uh, my leader that, that day is Willie Dalgetty, and Willie's asking us, his, his small group, he's just asking the question, what do you want to be someday? 
Right? Everyone goes around the circle, they share their thing, want to be a fireman, want to be a professional baseball player, whatever they are. It comes to me, and I'm in seventh grade, it comes to me, tell me what you want to be. Famous. The world's most famous, fill in the blank. It doesn't matter. Didn't matter what it was, just famous. And it, it took him back, like, there's one I wasn't thinking of. And I said, you're welcome. So here's a kid who struggled with that idea since I was 13 years old. And I'm at this conference last year, and even though God was using a person, I thought the irony was rich, I realized, Todd, that is a thing that you have to get over. Wherever the wattage is, you are that wattage. Be grateful for that and use it well. I say that to you today. Whatever the wattage of your gift mix is, Take it and use it well. Look at this great quote. I read a great book, by the way, if you're just thinking through the idea of ambition and how challenging it is to think of that through a Christian lens. I couldn't recommend the book more. It's called Rescuing Ambition from Dave Harvey. The book was worth this line alone. He says, wherever there's a gift, there's a limit. I don't usually think in those terms. Wherever there's a gift, there's a limit. What I found is the rec that recognizing the limits of my gifts actually frees me from the head-banging burden of trying to do something God hasn't intended for me. That's such a great, that was the most freeing thing I've read in forever. And I was like, God, thank you, and I need to engage that. I need to embrace that. And here's what that will change to. Rather than coveting someone's higher gift than your own, like meaning higher wattage, rather than coveting that, it will change to this way. If you've ever been on a good team, it, it could be an athletic team, it could be a team at work, it could be a team of some interest that you have, whatever it is. If you've ever been on a good team and you are in some sort of competition, here's what happened. It doesn't matter where you're at on the, on the um, talent scale, there was always someone better, right? And that was okay because you were on a team and what you say at the end of the day, man, this was an awesome win for us today. I'm so glad those people are gifted to the degree that they are because we won because of how they contributed. That will become the, the thought of your heart. God, I don't have to be the person with the highest gift. I'm on a team combating the evils of Satan on this planet and we are better, the kingdom's better because of them and how you've gifted them to serve your body. That will change your way of thinking and you'll begin to go, God, I'm grateful to be on the team. I'm grateful to however I can contribute. And if you've only given me the two talents and not the five, just like the guy in the story, help me be faithful with the two. Because don't we live for that? Don't we want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant? That's what we're living for. And in that, that reality of, of changing mindsets from consumer to contributor, that's a second hurdle. Let me give you a third and we'll finish today. Number three, not finding the right fit. Another obstacle, another challenge to getting involved with your giftedness at Trinity Church is it's hard sometimes to find the right fit. It can be a huge discouragement to people who kind of venture forth and just realize, I don't think this was it. Let me, let me talk to that idea for a minute today. First, back to 1 Corinthians 12, it comes back to this. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Many parts, but one body. So the problem is sometimes, how do I understand and recognize what my part is? I want to put it into use, Todd. I want to be able to contribute and serve according to the grace God has given me. I just don't know what that is yet. Or I tried this, and I, it did feel like a fail. It did not go well. Okay, let's back that up and let's talk about it. Here's one of the first things. How do you know? How do you begin to find that out? It's in your notes on the screen. You attend the design class. 
Okay, we have a design class coming up the end of this month on the 27th. It begins at 11 o'clock and includes lunch and ends about 2 o'clock. And just when some of you heard it includes lunch, you're already there. Okay? <laughs> Signed up, you're good to go. Okay? Go to that class because you're saying, Todd, I, I, I believe what you're saying is true. I believe that God has gifted me. I just don't know how or, or for what. That's where it begins. It begins by going to something and having some objectivity and some analysis and looking at your life a little bit to, to kind of bring those and boil those to the top, to identify those gifts and then know how to put them into motion. And by the way, if that's true of you today, you're like, okay, Todd, I get it. That's my next step. I still want to encourage you to go to the expo today because here's what could happen. As you're walking around and kind of looking at the different opportunities and just kind of going, I don't know, I, I, I'm not really ready to commit, but I, I'm kind of interested there, I could see that there. Let that at least plant seeds. So when you go to the class at the end of the month, you'll already be kind of be working out of an idea of some of the opportunities. These opportunities that we're ex, uh, kind of exhibiting today, they're not done after today. Okay, it's not like we've closed shop because you didn't sign up these first two weeks of, of August. These are ongoing needs. This would be a great thing for you to continue to process. Let's even do this. Once you even identify what your giftedness is, what is the application of it, right? You can go through a spiritual gifts inventory, see the whole design acrostic, and really get a better understanding of yourself. And I want to throw this out. If some of you are hesitant to go to that class, everything you've done in your life that has helped you better understand you, you know you've learned to value. Before you ever really had an opportunity, you, you took some kind of assessment and you realize better who you were, and you thought, wow, that's kind of powerful to read about. I'm looking on, on this computer screen or looking on this page. This kind of is me. And those are powerful things to bring to the surface and to be able to identify better. That's a win. That's why this class is going to be helpful. But once you identify the giftedness, how do you know how to put it in motion? Here's an example. You might come out of this whole thing and go, okay, I, I kind of, I didn't know how to frame it, but the way this design class helped me understand, I have, of, of my gifts, one of them is the spiritual gift of exhortation. In and of itself, you're like, I have no idea what that means. I know, but go to the class, you'll find out. But it means this. It's the ability to minister words of comfort, words of consolation, words of encouragement, watch, and words of counsel. Someone who has the gift of exhortation helps navigate people, kind of directs them and draws them toward what Jesus would want them to do in a given situation. That's pretty cool. That's a great gift. Now, as you think about that gift, now think of the way that could play out. Okay, well, uh, let's, go, let's go all the way even to the professional level. Professional counselors have the gift of exhortation. That, that might not be what you're going to pursue, but, but that's an interesting thing to know. They have the gift of exhortation because as they hear information... They're processing it, and they're kind of saying, especially those who are working out of a Christian worldview, understanding what Scripture says, this is the thing you need to consider next. This is the thing that you need to process where you're standing today. Okay, but it's not only limited to Christian counselors. would be another role. Student ministries, youth workers, small group leaders. You're, you're with very impressionable high school and middle school students, and you're talking about things that are very important in their lives. They think it's important, not even just you, and you're able to go, I get to speak into that. I get to give words of counsel and encouragement that they would pursue God's direction. Maybe you're a married couple and you kind of both even have a gift of exhortation. What a great use of that gift to mentor other marriages. Help other couples through seasons by saying, hey, when we look at God's design, here's some things not only that we've done, but God's word says you should engage that. 
Or what about the idea of being a table leader for a women's Bible study or a home group leader who leads others that you're not just facilitating conversations, but instead you're going, okay, as I'm hearing answers and I'm kind of injecting words of encouragement because people, they share about themselves when they share. Not just the right answer, but aspects of their life. And even if it's not in a group, you're able to come alongside after and go, hey, I loved it when you were being really kind of vulnerable about this. How, how can I encourage you with that? What kind of help can I give you if any direction you're seeking? Those are all applications of the spiritual gift of exhortation, but they're not one size fits all. There's all kinds of ways to express them. This is week one. Week two, and I'm really excited about is we're going, to, uh, we're going to look at this topic again. You're going to see funny Steve doing his awesome stuff. And, uh, and in that, we're going to look at this, though. We're going to talk, and I'm real excited to talk about this. We're going to talk about, uh, for those who are currently serving in an aspect of, of using their gifts at Trinity, and even those who are now feeling they, they need to now, they realize it, what incredibly significant role you play as a teammate to those of us when we bring people to Trinity as a guest you are helping make that work and make that something people want to come back to again. We'll talk about that next week. We'll go there. So we leave it with this week today. If you're a follower of Jesus, serving according to your design, serving according to your gifts, is not a question of if, but simply where. Let me pray. Father God, what an incredible privilege to be in your house today. What an incredible privilege to be surrounded by your people, even today in this service, using their gifts, even encouraging one another even those, God, who have prepared to be out at the expo today to just be able to make opportunities known, I just thank you so much for this weekend. Thank you for this Sunday and all that's going on at Trinity. And God, I want to pray especially for those who are considering, hey, I, I just have not been putting my gifts into motion. I, for a host of reasons, maybe some of those we talked about today or others, I just have let these barriers keep me from the truth, though, that it's not a matter of if, but where. And so, God, for those especially, I pray that as they walk around at the expo, that you would lay upon their heart this ability to say, God, I at least want to be in motion. Lead me, direct me towards what you want, and I want to go there. I want to see not only, God, how I know that you'll bless me in this, but more so, I want to be a blessing. God, I want to help people wherever they're at. Use me. So, Father, we love you. Thank you for the real gift of who you are and the grace you've given us. And we pray we'd walk in that grace this week. We pray in Jesus' great name today. Amen.